0: And welcome for this week's episode of the Remarkable Parks Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia, and this week we are doing one of my favorite parks, the Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. But before we get started, I have to complain. I really try to see the good in people, and I try to look through a lens of optimism in life but last night, I just could not do it. Last night, I went to one of my coworkers' houses. And she lives in a townhouse. She has a landlady. And there is assigned parking spots, which is fine. But then on the other side of the parking lot, you can parallel park and you don't have to have an assigned parking spot. Some would call this visitor parking. So we hung out, Emily and I had a fantastic time. We had a minor crisis. She has hundreds of bees currently burrowing into her wall, but it's fine, we're we're fine. But then I left her house around 9.30 p.m. and I go to my car, which again is parallel parked in the visitor center portion of the parking lot, and I see a note that has been left on my windshield. And I go and I pick it up and I read it. And first off, it is a floral custom-made piece of paper. And written in purple ink is, If you ever park in front of Building 3011 again, I'll have you towed with a heart. What? What? That is the most passive aggressive action that has ever happened to me. And I was I was so mad. I was livid. I I mean anyway, it's, of all the things that happen in the world, it's really not that bad, but I was so upset. I mean, who does this person? They think they own this parking lot. Which, you know, is a good segue to today's episode because one of the things we're going to talk about in addition to Grand Teton National Park is land acknowledgements and beyond. Um, (laughs) Because (laughs) this woman, you would have thought that she owned every rock, stone, and pebble. And it's a townhouse, and I happen to know that she is a renter. So anyway, that's it. That's my qualm with the world today. I mean, was the heart really necessary? Gosh, I'm all about conflict and confrontation. If you have a problem, come talk to me to my face. Don't leave your custom floral print paper in my windshield. Anyway, let's talk about some parks, shall we? Now, Grand Teton National Park, if I had to choose a park to live in, if I was allowed to like live in one park for the rest of my life, I think I would choose the Grand Teton National Park. I fairly recently visited this park for the first time in July of 2020 and I was blown away. It is kind of what I would describe to you as the classic mountain range. If you're thinking in your brain of the paradigm of mountaineering I would think of Grand Teton National Park. It's just stunning cool colors of blue mountains with snow-capped coverings and wide, beautiful lakes. You've got Jenny Lake right there. But you also have grasslands and wildlife for days, including bears. We're going to touch on bear safety again, as always. Uh, But it really, I mean, it is a, a beautiful park. There are alpine terrains. Um, and there's just over 200 miles of trails. You've got the Snake River and many scenic drives that you can partake in as well. Uh, it, I, it's just, I don't know. I, for, it's a very peaceful place, too. I found it to be very grounding as well. This park, <laughs> this, this is uh, on the trip that I went with with uh, my, my, some of my best friends, and we had quite the experience at Grand Teton National Park. Um, it is kind of in a hub. There is a lot of things around this, this park. Um, and for that reason, it's very busy. I mean, just, just to tell you, uh, like, you've got Yellowstone National Park that's not too far away. There's Bighorn Canyon National Recreation Center, Devil's Tower National Monument. You've got Fort Laramie National Historic Site. Uh, not to mention the California Historic Trail, the Continental Divide National Scenic Trail you've got the Oregon National Historic Trail and then Jackson Hole is right there too so this is a very popular area and it's very busy and most campsites um, are first come first serve you've got a few a few campsites like Headwater Campground at Flag Ranch and Culture Bay RV Park that accept advance, Uh, advanced reservations, but all other campgrounds are first come, first served, and there are people that will camp out in their cars for days waiting to claim a campsite. It's that intense, especially if you want to camp around Jenny Lake. Now, we happened to be pretty lucky. Um, Now, we, we left at like 4.30 in the morning. We left so early from our previous site. And we got to the campsite at like 6.30 a.m. And there was this woman who was taking her young child to go up to the bathroom. And we were kind of like scoping it out. And we uh, saw on their camping permit sign that they were leaving that day. And we kind of rushed this woman. I like got out of the car. I was like, ma'am, ma'am are you, are you checking out today? Are you leaving? <laughs> She's, this poor woman was probably exhausted. She had two small children just trying to go to the bathroom. And I'm like in her face, but she was very kind. And she said, yes. And I asked if we could take the site from her when they left. And she said, yes, but they didn't check out until 8 a.m. We kind of had to be hawks about the campsite because there were several other people that tried to take the campsite in the short time that we were parked with our car directly outside of it. Um, so it's, it can be pretty intense. Uh, so if you do want to camp and you're not in one of the those two reservable sites I mentioned, you want to get there really early, and I mean like 6 a.m. if not earlier. Early. Or early. But it's kind of fun. Uh, and we like, as we were setting up our tent, we had a gentleman stop us and ask if he could have the site the next night after us. Uh, so it's it's pretty crazy. It's very popular, but it was perhaps the most beautiful campsite I've ever stayed at. Uh, you are very much in the woods and even though there are other campsites around you, you feel isolated, you feel like you have your own spot. And the particular spot that we stayed in had lake access as well. So that was really beautiful. Although the mosquitoes were pretty active, so that was a downside. But in terms of scenery and experience, I would rank it very highly. So I guess there's so much to talk about with the Grand Tetons National Park. But I'm going to start with Jenny Lake because Jenny Lake is one of the most visited areas in Grand Teton National Park. It is found at the base of Teton Range, and it's kind of like the center of the park. Uh, you've got views of the Tiwanat Mountain, Mount St. John, and Cascade Canyon. And then if you're looking from the west shore, you can actually see the valley of Jackson Hole. Uh, there's lots of hikes lots of trails that start at Jenny Lake, lots of trailheads. So you can get to the Hidden Falls and Inspiration Point, which are two of the most popular trails and very busy trails, but very worthwhile trails. Uh, And you can also access longer trails like Lake Solitude or Hurricane Pass from Jenny Lake as well. Now, when we went, we chose to explore Jenny Lake by hiking a trail that goes around it, but it was a long day of hiking. Uh, that day we hiked over 14 miles and I would consider myself someone who's in fairly decent shape and I that night and that next day hurt so bad (laughs) and just physically mentally exhausted because hiking is different than walking on a paved path I mean you are your ankles are engaged, your your whole body, your core,, uh, you know, you're doing a lot of elevation change in the mountains. So Grand Teton National Park is definitely one of those parks that you want to look ahead of time. This is something that we didn't do really well, and you want to look at how long those trails are. Talk to a park ranger. Um, you know, kind of explore what your best option might be because, it's very easy for an out-and-back trail to, <laughs> to turn into an all-day event. Uh, the cool thing, though, about many of the trailheads being around Jenny Lake is you can take a boat ride. You can take a shuttle boat across Jenny Lake, or uh, you can rent a paddle boat, bring your own boat, rent a canoe, a kayak. And they they uh, the water access points can give you easier access to the trailheads and make less Hiking on foot, which in hindsight, I really wish we would have done. Um, It's, you know, it's, I don't know, we had a good time. Um, And then in addition, there's also a 15 to 20 minute scenic drive that you can do around Jenny Lake if that is more your cup of tea. So there's lots of ways to experience it, but there is Jenny Lake Visitor Center that you can start at regardless of what avenue you choose to explore this area i would recommend starting at that visitor center and talk with a ranger because they're gonna they're gonna know about the conditions for that specific day um, maybe some terrain ch- changes that have happened that season um and you can just talk to them be honest you know i i always <laughs> i've gotten better uh, as i've hiked more um but i at the beginning was felt I was indestructible and I could hike anything and I could hike forever and that's simply just not an option Uh, you you need to take breaks (laughs) and you you have limitations Um, but it's beautiful hiking Um, the Jenny Lake scenic drive that's going to go along the east shore of Jenny Lake um, just so for planning of where you are but other scenic drives that you can do in Grand Teton National Park are the Moose Wilson Road, which is the 20 to 60 minute drive. And that is going to connect the towns of Moose and Wilson, shockingly. And you know, you might even see some moose on that trail. I, I don't know who comes up with these names, but they really spend a lot of time in the creative process. I told you guys, I was feeling a little fired up today. I'm feeling a little mean today because this lady who put this sign this piece of paper in my windshield she put negative energy into the world and i sucked it right up and i shouldn't have but i did and i was fired up and i guess i still am and this happened like 12 hours ago anyway other roads (laughs) there's also (laughs) the signal mountain summit road uh, which gives a really good panoramic view of teton range and jackson hole as well as teton park road So if you're looking, if you've done lots of hiking in the area and you want to maybe have some car time, there's lots of pull-off opportunities to take gorgeous pictures during those scenic drives um, as well. The way that we chose to explore the Grand Tetons was through hiking. Um, One of the books that is a recommended reading that the park rangers will recommend, it's called Teton Trails. A guide to the trails of Grand Teton National Park and it is not only just a guide to the trails in the park but they also give very descriptive uh, uh, really good descriptions of the most popular park trails and they'll tell you about the geology and how to track animals uh, like bears and they'll include basic hiking information like how do you prepare for the hike what you should bring with you So that's a a good read to pick up. There are so many hikes. Like I said, there are over 200 miles of hiking trails. So you could spend weeks and probably not (laughs) hike everything. Um, But a couple of the most popular hikes are um, Aspen Ridge and Boulder Ridge. This is front country hiking. It's about a two to three hour hike. And it is located on the Lawrence S. Rockefeller Preserve. So it's a loop. It will travel through, uh, excuse me, to Phelps Lake on this loop trail. Uh, And it is accessible in the spring, summer, and fall. There's also the Bear Paw and Trapper Lakes. You can hike along the shore of those two lakes, and you get a really great view of Mount Moran. Moran? I think it's Moran. I really, I need someone to coach me on pronunciation before I do these podcasts. This is the bad thing of undertaking such a big creative project solo because I always get texts from a few people that it's like, hey, Olivia, <laughs> you way butchered the pronunciation of this thing. That was very easy to pronounce and very well known. Uh, but I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. You know what I should have told that lady? I should have left her a note. She told me what building she was in. I should have been like, I happen to have a few non-human co-workers that will projectile vomit on you. No, I shouldn't do that. That's bad. That's bad. <sighs> okay, moving on, moving on. I'm not thinking about this still. It's fine. Another really great hike you can do is the Christian Pond Loop. Uh, there's also Death Canyon. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> now death canyon is a four to six hour hike and that is back country hiking so this is a pretty strenuous day even overnight hike and it's something that only experienced hikers should do uh, the the hikes that you will always hear about are the hidden falls trail this is right along the uh the water and it ends with a beautiful waterfall it really is gorgeous and you can hike um, to the midfalls. you can hike to the top of the falls to the bottom of the falls and it's about a five mile hike it's going to take about two and a half hours but it's a pretty easy trail so uh, i would definitely recommend that one we did that one Uh, we did not hike up to inspiration point because that was quite a bit more hiking and we wanted to do some other less traveled trails But uh, that is also really popular. Um, The Cascade Canyon Trail is really gorgeous, too. That is, uh, you can hike up to the base of the Grand Tetons, and that's with the boat ride that we were talking about um, across Jenny Lake. Some other trails to check out are the uh, String Lake Trail and the Bradley Lake Trail, as well as the Taggart Lake Loop. I mean, when you guys get there, get one of the maps um, of Grand Teton National Park and you will see it's just trails for days. Uh, I, it's it's kind of overwhelming. And we only spent one day in Grand Teton National Park, so I'm only giving you like a, a sampling platter. Um, but you, in addition to having the national park, right there you have the caribou Targhee National Forest, the Bridger Teton National Forest, um, uh, which are surrounding the park. So y- you have within the park lots of trails, but then you also have national forests surrounding you on all sides as well. And then you have Yellowstone National Park that's north of Grand Teton National Park. So it's it's just a really beautiful spot to be. It, is, it feels like untouched land. Uh, something that's really cool, uh, you might be familiar with Mr. John D. Rockefeller. Well, this this wealthy man that you, you might have heard his name a few times, uh, he liked this park. He went to visit Jackson Hole in the 1920s, and he was really upset and a little dismayed by how much development had happened to the landscape that he had previously fallen in love with. Um, And he wanted to protect the park. He wanted to conserve the the Teton scenery. And so he started to buy up the land, later donating over 32,000 acres of the valley to the federal government. And they really credit his philanthropy efforts, which helped preserve the views of the grand teton national park range and give public access of what we see today for future generations so there is a memorial parkway named after him uh, as well which is great now in addition to uh hiking opportunities there are lots of swimming opportunities as well um as well as sailing and windsurfing and water skiing You can do those options on Jackson Lake. Um, Or if you just want to have a relaxing day and float down the river, head over to Snake River in the park. Now, keep in mind that only hand-propelled boats and rafts are allowed, so no intertubes. And they do like to uh, give warning that only experienced floaters should go down the river, and you should always, always, always wear a life jacket. And know how to swim would be really good too now keep in mind that you are not in a heated pool or a hot tub swimming in the park waters is typically really cold <laughs> you have the snow from the caps that melt and go right into the different jackson lace String and jenny lakes and they have pretty reasonable temperatures in july and august but they're The waters are still freezing. Like, we went in July and the waters were freezing. So just keep that in mind. Um, No lifeguards on duty. You know, just important things to keep in mind. Uh, If you like fishing, there are some different fishing opportunities as well, but make sure you have um, your license and check out the park fishing locations at the visitor centers. If you're not into sub-temperature swimming... (laughs) Um, Grand Tetons has it all my friends Grand Tetons also has some hot springs so you can soak in some natural thermal waters Um, now there are specific places that are labeled of places where you can go there are lots of thermal waters in Yellowstone National Park and in uh, Grand Teton National Park and just because you see a thermal pool my god do not go into it some of those are way too hot to go in and you will die and it has happened before but there are some natural hot springs that are labeled that are tourist attractions that you can go to just want to make that clear do not just jump into any thermal pool um because i mean in addition to some of them being way too hot for your body to go into some of the waters might have organisms that cause illnesses um fatal infections like horrible things so (laughs) Only going to Labeled Hot Springs. Oh, my God. But the Remarkable Parks podcast (laughs) told us. Okay, and then perhaps something that I didn't partake in, but I would love to next time I go back to Grand Teton National Park are the super cool climbing, uh, mountain climbing opportunities. Now, again, mountain climbing is a very technical sport. It requires lots of physical conditioning, uh, updated equipment, and uh, proper knowledge of the area. But there are overnight trips um, that require a backcountry permit fee, um, which you can check out at the Jenny Lake Ranger Station. But they recommend climbing June through early September. Solo climbing is not advised, so make sure you go with a group of experienced people. Uh, But that is something really cool that you can do in the Grand Tetons, is you can rock climb, like mountain climb, rock climb. It's pretty cool. I'm all over the place. This is this always happens when I do my solo <laughs> solo podcast. Um, yes. So, climbing and mountaineering. Is there a more natural way to experience a national park? I think not. Um. Okay, let's talk about the Native Americans of the area. Because I I talked about at the beginning of this that I wanted to talk about land acknowledgements. Um So I subscribed to a magazine. It's called Legacy. And it's released by the National Association for Interpretation. And this last edition that I read had a really good article called This Land Is Their Land, Land Acknowledgements and Beyond. It's an article written by Larry Beck. And uh, I thought it was really well done. And there was a couple of things that he wrote that I wanted to share with, um, with you all today. So it's no secret that the land that national parks are on today were once inhabited by Native Americans, um, and other minorities before, or excuse me, after Native Americans as well. Um, one of my good friends, Michael, I'm hoping to have him on the podcast soon, and we're going to talk specifically about land acknowledgements, but I just wanted to scratch the surface today and talk about it. Um, So let's talk about the specific history of the Grand Teton National Park first. So they believe that people first ventured into this valley uh, as the glaciers receded at least 11,000 years ago. And there were lots of Native people that came in the area to hunt animals, to gather plants, to collect rock and minerals. Um, and there was lots of spiritual meanings behind the Grand Tetons for uh, these Native Americans, a connection that the the people still have today. Um, but what happened with <laughs> this park, uh, which happened with all parks, is Europeans arrived and... They started to push those people out of the area. They were uh, completely eradicated from these areas. And it's devastating and it's really sad. And it's important that we continue to talk about that and we don't stop the dialogue and that we can appreciate the parks as they are today, but we remember the history as well. And as an interpreter, as someone who talks to people, uh, it's important that we lead in the efforts of acknowledging the Indigenous people and their lands and their story and their history. So, a couple of things that um, this article highlight, highlighted that Larry Beck highlighted that I thought were really important of things that parks can do, uh, or if, if it doesn't have to be, this can go beyond parks uh, to acknowledge the land and to recognize the historic complexity. We, I mean, Again, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read directly what he said, because I think he said it really well. But he said, thoughtful land acknowledgments are a starting point. So this by no means makes amends of the horrible things that happened and the pe- people that were pushed off of their lands. But a couple of things that can be done is important to design exhibits, signs, and programs that expand on the message of the land acknowledgment. Incorporate indigenous wisdom into all dimensions of exhibit planning and programming. Um, Offer authentic indigenous artworks for sale to support the local artisans. Organize a conference or lecture series in collaboration with local tribes. Consider creating a native resource center. Hire interpreters and park rangers and staff from local tribes. Hire a tribal liaison. I think that one's really important. Uh, Fully acknowledge settlers that eradicated the peoples that lived there. Consider tangible ways to celebrate and support local tribes. Uh, Learn more about the disproportionate impact of disease, especially during global pandemics, like right now on Native Americans. Um, As you personally travel to these other places, like all these different parks in this area, learn about the indigenous cultures whose land you're on. And if you're able, donate money to Indigenous organizations to help those that support uh, Indigenous causes. And I think even what I'm doing now, uh, talking about it, kind of crafting your own personal land acknowledgement message, continuing that dialogue, putting those words out there, I think that is important as well. So... There we go. Just touching on that today. Not going to get super into it, but I thought that article is really important. And um, I think that as even though the article was geared towards interpreters, I think that there are many points that go towards everyday Joes that go and visit parks as well. Uh, On a lighter note, something that's kind of funny uh, about the Grand Tetons National Park, they have a really... (laughs) a really strong history of dude ranches Um, so people came out to this area of Wyoming to farm and they quickly learned that this area is not really farmable it's poorly suited for raising crops and livestock so instead there were um, ranchers that turned their (laughs) their plans around and they hosted dudes rather than raising cattle and livestock. So you've got wealthy Easterners that want to come out to the West and they want to have the Westerner experience. And so um, they created dude ranches. Um, So it's... Dude ranches, basically, they provided a Western outdoor experience without the discomforts of actual ranch life. So, uh, you know, you're not really backcountry camping. You've got a more relaxed atmosphere. And... People were able to come out and experience the Grand Tetons. Uh, and this happened starting in um, the late 1800s. And it continued into the 1940s was when these dude ranches were really popular. Um, <laughs> it's just funny to me. I don't know. I think it's just funny that it's called dude ranches too. Um, anyway, I wanted to talk about the dude ranches as well. And then finally, I wanted to talk about two things, um, the conservation efforts. So when I was at the Grand Tetons, I saw a grizzly bear, a mama grizzly bear and her cub. And we were probably about 100 yards away. And it was really special. And it was fun to watch the little grizzly bear try to climb up the tree and the mom was just you know parenting watching and we kept our distance we we just stayed right where we were which is the important thing to do you don't want to try to get closer um you can carry bear spray but that's a last resort uh you know it generally speaking if you leave them alone they'll leave you alone just don't make noise you know have loud conversations clap make it known that you're there don't make your presence a secret One of the really interesting things about the Grand Teton National Park is there are a number of species that are threatened species. So according to the IUCN Red List, they uh, are at risk. There's not a whole lot of them left. And one of them is the grizzly bear. So uh, in the past, grizzly bears were nearly eliminated due to intentional eradication programs. But thanks to very intense conservation efforts over the last 40 years, grizzly bears are starting to make a recovery. They're starting to come back. And today there are an estimated estimated 800 grizzly bears that live in the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So that's super cool. But there are other threatened species that live within Grand Teton National Park as well, including the Canada lynx, the yellow-billed cuckoo, and the Western Glacier Stonefly. So, it's not only a really cool place to visit, but it's also a vital place for these threatened species to make what one can hope will be a full recovery as well. There's also uh, several species that are under concern, so they might not quite be to the level where they are threatened or endangered, but they're declining. Uh, and, and so, I don't know, I think it's really great that uh, this place this protected land is allowing these animals to make uh, a recovery, a positive trend. It's good to see that. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about today is Jackson Hole. So Jackson Hole is basically <laughs> the richest city I've ever seen. No, it is a, it's um, it's kind of in between Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks and Jackson Hole is a great place to go hang out for a day if you need to relax. And um, there's lots of local restaurants and shops and artisans that you can find there. Um, This is also where you can find the Granite Hot Springs. We talked about Hot Springs earlier. But a couple of the most popular things to do in Jackson Hole, you've got Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. Uh, You've got the National Elk Refuge, which is super cool. It is a free experience where you can go and you can see elk, uh, thousands of them. And um, you can also, if you're looking for a more, uh, I don't know, (laughs) city experience, there's the Jackson Hole Playhouse where you can go and you can have dinner at this theater and you can watch some really great performances Um, And some say that some of these productions are comparable to Broadway. So check that out. And for those history buffs out there, you've got the Jackson Hole Historical Society and Museum, as well as the National Museum of Wildlife Art. So Jackson Hole is a cool city to check out if you are in the area as well. I feel like I have to mention this. I have a confession to make. I have never been pulled over. In my life, until I went to Wyoming, I was driving to the Grand Teton. No, we had just left Grand Teton National Park and we were driving north toward Yellowstone National Park. And there's not a whole lot of things in between those two locations. There are a couple of very small towns, populations of less than 100. But what happens is you go from interstate, you go from 70, 80 miles per hour, what have you to like the little tiny town of 30 miles per hour. And I am a safe, responsible, good driver. Let the record show. And I was driving and I was slowing down, going from 70 miles per hour to 30 miles per hour through this town. And I got pulled over at the edge of this town going 37 miles per hour. And I thought, my God, I've never been pulled over before. I've never even gotten a warning. I won't get a ticket. And this officer wrote me a $269 ticket. <laughs> so I will always have qualms with Wyoming because of that, but I have no qualms with Grand Teton National Park and that's why we were we're all here. So <laughs> Anyway, um Thank you all for listening to the podcast. We actually, this is exciting. We have had an upwards trend of listeners. Uh, We have more and more people listening every week, which I don't know how that's possible because I feel like every week I get a little bit more goofy and my Olivia shows a little bit more every week. (laughs) Uh, But thank you all for taking the time to listen. And uh, for those of you who are spreading the word and telling your friends about the podcast, thank you. As always, feel free to give us a follow at Remarkable Parks Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you all so much and uh, have a great rest of your week.